Hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www. .thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. All right, so for the month of August, we've been canceling stuff this year, year of cancellation. We've been canceling all kind of stuff this year. This month, for the month of August, uh, we're canceling foolishness. Canceling foolishness. I'm talking about you canceling your own. Me, I'm canceling my own. Amen. One foolishness we need to cancel is always thinking somebody else need to cancel theirs. Now, that may be true, but you can't, you can't make them cancel theirs. But you and I, we could do something about our own. And so this month, we're focusing on canceling foolishness. Canceling foolishness. Now, I'll be the first to admit, I got some foolishness I need to cancel. I... It might be one other person, maybe two. Do I have any witnesses in here? You have some foolishness. You've tolerated long enough. You need to cancel. Let's come out of August wiser, more disciplined, enhanced in our understanding, and making better decisions that impact our lives as well as the lives of others. The response to reading has been read. I'm going to, I'm going to preach from Psalm 30. I'm going to preach from Psalm 30. But I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles 21. 1 Chronicles 21. I'm going to hopscotch through a couple of verses in 1 Chronicles 21 to help us better understand the context of Psalm 30. Psalm 30 is one of those psalms that has a story behind it. Not every psalm has a story behind it. Some psalms are just great songs written to, to be sung in church and what have you. Uh, Psalm 34 is one of my favorites. Psalm 34 has a story behind it. Psalm 30 is another one. There's a story behind uh, the, the, the writing of Psalm. There's a, there's a story behind the writing of Psalm 30. We can get an understanding of that when we glance at 1 Chronicles 21. 1 Chronicles 21. The same story with some different details, if you want to look at it later, is told in 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24. We're going to focus on 1 Samuel 21. 1 Samuel 21. Today I want to talk from the thought, God will get the glory from now on. God will get the glory from now on. All right? God will get the glory from now on. God. That would be a wise thing for all of us to say. God will get the glory from now on. God will get the glory. So again, I'm going to preach from Psalm 30, but to help us understand and better appreciate Psalm 30, let's... Let's hopscotch through 1 Samuel, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles, chapter 21. I'm not going to read any of it. Feel free to take your seat unless you, yeah, I'm not going to read. We're going to read it as we go along because I'm going to actually preach from Psalm 30, but I'm going to talk today from the thought God will get the glory from now on. I want you to go to 1 Samuel, chapter, 1 Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. Let me make sure I got it right. Yeah, 1 Chronicles. Because in 1 Chronicles, what we're going to read about is how David was provoked 
to take a census of, census of all Israel. Now, is, the, the question becomes, was he provoked by God or was he provoked by Satan? Because 2 Samuel 24 says that Satan provoked David to take this sentence, take this census. First Chronicles 21 says that Satan provoked. Did I get that right? Second Samuel says God provoked David. I got a headache and it's just mess. I mean, it is jacking me up. In second, let me do second Samuel 24. God provoked David to take this census. First Chronicles 21, Satan provoked David to take this sentence. Census. Census. So the question becomes, who provoked David to take this census? Was it God, as articulated in 2 Samuel, or was it Satan, as articulated in 1 Chronicles? The easy way out is to say maybe it was both. In God allowing Satan to provoke David to take the census. The bottom line is David was provoked to take the census. And Joab, the commander of David's army, recognized this as a foolish gesture and tried to change David's mind. If you glance at 1 Chronicles 21 and 3, 1 Chronicles 21 and 3, you'll read where Joab, Joab is trying to talk David out of taking this census. He even asked David, at the latter part of 1 Chronicles 21 and 3, why must you cause Israel to sin? Joab, could, he could see that the census would provoke God's anger, but David wasn't hearing it. David wasn't hearing it. Uh, uh, and that in and of itself is foolish in, in some instances, where someone can see the sin you're about to commit. They can see how you are about to provoke God to anger and they're trying to persuade you to decide to please God rather than provoke God's anger, but you're not hearing it. That's a foolish thing. To have someone who's trying to get you to do right, but you have a made up mind to do wrong. It's foolish. He even, he, again, he asked David, why must you cause Israel to sin? David wasn't hearing it. That in and of itself is a foolish thing. I, I want to challenge all of us to be better listeners, to be better listeners. But David demanded, in verse 4, 1 Chronicles 21 and 4, demanded that this census is taken. Joab leads the way in, in taking the census. Drop down to verse 7, 1 Chronicles chapter 7, 21 verse 7. Chapter 21 verse 7. Got a headache, y'all. Let's get in due time, David saw the foolishness of the census. First Chronicles 21 and 7, God was very displeased with the census and he punished Israel for it. Then David said to God, I have sinned greatly by taking this census. Please forgive my guilt for doing this foolish thing. God sent Gad. God sent Gad the prophet to tell David in verses 11 and 12 of First Chronicles chapter 21. He sends the prophet Gad to David. So David could choose one of three punishment options. David could choose, could choose one of three punishment options. The first, the first option was three years of famine. Three years of famine. The second option is three months of destruction from his enemies. The third option, three days of a severe devastating plague. 
David is given options for his punishment. I don't, I don't think, I don't recall God ever coming to me and saying, all right, I'm going to let you choose your punishment. I just, he ain't never done me like that. I know some of y'all might be walking with God where y'all just so tight. God said, I'm going to let you choose. David was like, I'll take the plague for 200, God. I'll take the plague. This plague took the lives of 70,000 people. 70,000 people of Israel died as a result of this plague. David was devastated. Devastated as innocent people lost their lives because of his foolish senses. He was so devastated that he asked God to take his anger out on David and his family instead of all Israel. It was one of those take me instead prayers. Take me instead. Look at verse 17. First Chronicles 21, 17. David said to God, I am the one who called for the census. I am the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these people are as innocent as sheep. What have they done? Oh, Lord, my God, let your anger fall against me and my family. Uh, if, his, if his family overheard him, they go, hey, oh, don't be bringing us in this now. Hold on. I bet his oldest child, they go, well, hold on. I ain't. That between you and the Lord, don't be pulling me all up in it. Let your anger fall against me and my family, but do not destroy your people. Three days. Let the church say three days. Three days of a plague. Three days of a plague worse than COVID. Three days, three days of a plague worse than uh, the bubonic plague, worse than uh, the great influenza plagues of the earliest, early, early part of the 20th century. A horrible plague for three days. It must have been a very long three days. I mean, a long three days. Those three days seemed like one long night in David's life. Three long, three long days. Not like your first week of school in Houston County for some folk. Three long, three long days. Three days of mothers wailing over the loss of their sons and daughters. Three days of children mourning the loss of a parent or both parents. Three days of posts on social media of people losing their kinfolks and classmates. Every few minutes of those three days, there were phone calls being made to alert folks as to who passed from the plague. Funeral homes couldn't keep up. Allow me to imaginate for a minute. Funeral homes couldn't keep up. Morgues filled to capacity to the point where they got semi-trailers filled with corpses. Sound familiar? Shovels to dig graves were in high demand. They couldn't, they couldn't find a shovel anywhere. They go to Lowe's, no shovels. Go to Home Depot, no shovels. Go to Walmart's, no shovels. Ace, the place where you, the, with the help, help for hardware folks, no shovels. This is the context of Psalm 30. So now Psalm 30 and 5, where David said, For his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. The darkness, 
this night is a metaphor for, for darkness, the dark places we can find ourselves in from time to time. When David spoke of weeping for a night, he wasn't referring to a literal time between sunset one evening until sunrise the next morning. He was talking about this dark place of misery, a dark place of regret, a dark place of, of guilt, a dark place of grief over the loss of innocent lives to the plague. Not only that, y'all, not only that, he was referring to that dark place a worshiper may find, them, find him or herself in when they know God is angry with them. Amen. This, this dark night in David's life could have been avoided if he had listened to Joab. Could have been avoided if, if, if David had just made a wiser decision in that moment. But before I move on, I, wanna, I just want to check in real quick. Um, have any of y'all ever had a dark night? I'm not talking about just a couple of hours from sunset. One evening to sunrise the next morning. I'm, I'm talking about a long dark night. A long dark night of grief. Long dark night of depression. Long dark night of guilt. Long dark night of, of shame. Long dark night of, of regret. Coworker had a, had a, has a thing. I put it on, put it on social media. Has a, has a writing on her board. And it talks about sometimes the darkness may be where you think you're being, being buried but you're actually being planted. In this dark night, all of us need to decide whether we're going to be buried or planted. Is, is the darkness the result of you being buried or planted? Are you, are you going to be buried uh, or are you going to bloom? That's, that's the question. That despite what may have brought in the darkness in your life, you can decide today, I'm going to bloom. Weeping may last may endure for the night joy comes in the morning in the actual uh, 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 Hebrew language uh, many commentators say that that the language that David used when he says weeping may endure for a night he's he, he talking as if darkness can personify is, is darkness personified as if it comes to embrace you it comes it, it, it comes to hang out with you for a while yeah darkness can can invite itself into your space from time to time says that, that, that it got dark, weeping may endure uh, for a night, but, but joy comes in the morning. Then David says in Psalm 30, in verse 7, that the darkness was intensified because God had hid his face from him. Look at verse 7, Psalm 30. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then you turned away from me, and I was shattered. You turned away from me. You, you, you withdrew your favor from my life. You, 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 took away, you took away the security, the little bit of security I had in, in your favor. You, you, you withdrew your face from me. That's, that's an awful place to be when, you, when you're already feeling guilty for something. You're already experiencing grief, already experiencing regret. Then you, you wonder if God is still there or you've concluded he ain't with me no more. Let me console somebody real quick with, with, with this. God promised he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Never forsake you. David's foolishness, y'all. How, how, how can we capture David's foolishness, this, this foolishness of, 
of having this census taken. You, you, you may never have a census taken. You may never, you may never do that. And you may wonder, well, how could this, how could this little sermon relate to me? Well, David's foolishness, it, it shows us what happens when sometimes we experience a false sense of security. A false sense of security. Look, look at Psalm 30, verse 6. He says, uh, King James says, in my prosperity, I said, I shall never be moved. Psalm 30 and 6, New Living Translation says, when, when I was prosperous, I said, nothing can stop me now. Mm. The NIV really puts it real good. NIV says, verse 6, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. What made David... Take this census. What made it so foolish? I'll tell you what it made it. What made it so foolish? It was foolish because it, it, it symbolized a false sense of security. The census would help him gauge whether he had the resources to conquer more territory as well as victoriously fend off his enemies. I need to make sure I got enough folk in my corner. Make sure I'm all right. If I got, I, I know I'm all right if I got enough folk in my corner. I feel secure if, if, enough, if enough folk like me. I'm, I'm, I'm secure if enough folk accept me. I, I feel secure. I feel secure if, if I know enough people have my back. David, David had a false sense of security. False sense of security. It showed, it showed that he trusted his resources more than he trusted his redeemer. He, he trusted the one that he trusted what he could see and what he could count more than who he could not see but could count on. And some of us put more stock in who and what we can see and what we can count more so than who we cannot see but we can show enough count on. Are y'all praying with me today? David admitted that he allowed his prosperity to give him a false sense of security. David admitted he temporarily lost his ultimate dependence upon God. He thought he'd never be shaken, never be moved, never be brought down. He thought he'd never be defeated because of his prosperity rather than his provider. His provider who blessed him to prosper. David had more security. I think a lot of us would be guilty of this. David had more security, again y'all, in what he could see and count then in the one he could not see but count on as followers of Jesus in the kingdom of God, we must ensure we do not have more faith in what we can see and count more than the one that we cannot see but can certainly count on. David thought he was, David, listen, David thought, David thought he was set for life. I want to check and make sure. I got enough, uh, enough money in my retirement portfolio. I'm, I'm set for life. David wanted to make sure that he had enough coverage on his, his health insurance. He had enough coverage on his dental insurance. David wanted to, he wanted to feel like he was set for life. I wonder how many of us may have used that language or heard somebody else use it. I'm set for life. I'm set for life. You hear people say that when they think they got enough money to take care of them the rest of their days. And they think they got enough, they got enough in their retirement portfolio. They have enough health insurance or life insurance or whatever. They feel like they're set for life. I just want to encourage, let me, let me warn everybody in here, be careful of using that kind of language. Be careful of using that kind of language. I'm set for the rest of my life. I don't have to work another day in my life. So a lot of people said that and had to go back to work. Let me throw this in real quick. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. Amen. 
we should all pursue being prosperous in our mind, our body, our soul, and with our resources. Prosperity in the biblical sense means I'm all right all the way around. Mind, body, soul. You can have a, you can have, you can be without two nickels to rub together and still be prosperous. I'm healthy. I'm secure. I'm all right. But be mindful of the warnings of prosperity. I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 10. First Timothy 6, 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. First Timothy 6 and 8 says, And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Nothing wrong with it. Just be aware of the temptation and the snare that comes along with it. They that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many arrows. Money is not the root of all evil, the love of money. So I, I want to encourage you to pursue prosperity, enjoy your prosperity, praise God for your prosperity, but don't allow prosperity to ruin you. Don't allow prosperous times, good times, pull you away from your ultimate dependence upon God. And please ensure the world does not seduce you with, the, with its standards for living your best life. If your best life is a picture of fitting God in if you have time, energy, and money left over after you're done, putting it all towards your pleasures, then you're not living your best life. You might be living your worst life. If living your best life has your pleasure as your top priority, then the world has seduced you and you are not living your best life. You got some foolishness in your life that you, that, that, that you need to cancel ASAP. Your pleasure can't be your top priority. Amen. David confessed he allowed his prosperity to mess him up. Maybe the senses again gave him, gave him some, some type of insurance against his enemies. And there's nothing wrong with insurance. There's nothing wrong with insurance. Nothing wrong with health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance, car insurance. Don't, none of y'all don't need to be riding dirty now. Get you some car insurance. You can't get no car insurance. You park that car till you get you some insurance. Get you some home insurance. Listen, those of you who are renting, get you some renter's insurance. Please do that. Get you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it after I'm done with my little Easter speech. Get you some renter's insurance. But don't think that you're set just because you have insurance. Amen. Amen. Health insurance cannot cure cancer. Insurance on your car cannot keep you from being hit by a drunk driver. My heart goes out to the people who are hit by floods in Kentucky right now. Many of them, many of them are, 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 are devastated by flood, had no flood insurance because they didn't think they needed it. They don't live in a flood plain. They don't live in a flood zone. They didn't need it. I don't live in a flood zone. My house sits on a little bit of a hill. I'm deep. I might need to go get me some flood insurance. Never know that little pond on the other side of the other row of houses might overflowing. You know what I mean? They didn't think they needed flood insurance. They had homeowner's insurance, but now no flood insurance. The best insurance is blessed assurance. 
I should close right there. I ain't going to do it, though. The best insurance <laughs> is blessed assurance being in covenant relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. David's song in Psalm 30 is his testimony of a long night that came about as a result of his own foolishness. He admitted, listen, listen, listen. David admitted that it was his fault. I appreciate that. I appreciate that because I hardly ever hear this type of confession. It was my fault. It was my fault. The divorce was my fault. I lost my job and it was my fault. Yeah. Um, uh, they kicked me out and, and it was my fault. I lost the perk. I lost the privilege. I lost this. I lost that. And it was my, it was my fault. I hardly ever hear anyone. I can't remember the last time I heard anybody talk that way. Most of the time they're going to share the, somebody going to share the blame with them, but they still have to do it. They did. Two wrong don't make it right. But yeah, they, they didn't have to do it. They did though. Or we deflect and put the blame. Yeah, but, but you see, they, they fired me, but look at all them white folk that they kept on the payroll. We love to, you know, like, like it's going to discount your wrong when we point out something. The bottom line is, you shouldn't have done it. David, whose fault was it? Dave, it was my fault. It was my fault. A, a lot of people we know, none of y'all would do this. But a lot of people we know would talk like this. Job should have tried harder to stop me. If Job would have put more pressure on me to stop me, Job could have just disobeyed me. Just because I told Job to do it don't mean he had to go and do it. He could have just disobeyed me. I'd have had him killed, of course, but he still would. How, how about all of us make up in our mind? To stop shifting blame, stop making folks share blame. How, how about we come out of August wiser by admitting when we messed up? It was my fault. I, be, I taught a class uh, this past week and I was showing uh, Will Smith's apology to Chris Rock. Right? Y'all know Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. Um, so three months later, I think it was just a week ago. Will Smith puts out a video on social media apologizing to Chris. He apologized to Chris' mama. He, he did. He apologized to Chris's brother. He said, and Chris's brother, Tony Rock, and I had a great relationship. He was my boy. But now I've probably done some irreparable damage now. He apologized to his fellow nominees because, you know, he had, won an, he had won an award that night. Then he got up on stage and defended the slap. Love will make you protect the people you love. You, you love hard. You protect people. You, you protect people you love. Three months later, he's had some time to think about it. And then he says in the video, there's nothing inside of me at all that deems what my behavior that night being acceptable. One question, he answered, he answered three questions in the video. One question was, did, did Jada say something to you to make you go slap Chris Rock? And he said, no, Jada didn't, no. He said, on my own volition, I did what I did. I can appreciate that. 
I'm the reason why I did what I did. And now that I've had time to look back on it, I deem it unacceptable. I should not have done it. That's how David sounds today. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it. David has gone from, I shall not be moved, to Psalm 30, I need God to move. I needed God to move on my behalf. And then Psalm 30 is him testifying and praising God because God done moved on his behalf. One more time. David said, uh, I shall not be moved. I'm set for life. I'm good. I got enough people in my army, enough people in my nation to, to develop an army to go fight and defend myself from whatever may attack me and the people of God. I shall not be moved. I'm, I'm the king. Nobody can fire me from being the king. Uh, I don't have to ever run for re-election to become king. I'm king. I'm set for life. I shall not be moved. Then you, you can listen to the psalm and he moved from, I needed God to move on my behalf. I was in a situation where my army could, could not fight the plague. The army can't fight the plague. Your, your health insurance can't fight COVID. <laughs> it can fight the cost if you're in any hospital stays, but all, that, all the health insurance we have, it can't fight COVID. It can't make COVID. No, you can't, you can't, they're covered. You can't make them, you can't, you can't affect them. Mm-hmm. Some of you needed them co-pays to pay for what COVID did to you. Insurance is fine, but David said, I, I, I shall not be moved. And the transition, I needed God to move on my behalf. To, to now the psalm is a testimony. God done moved on my behalf. So, David, what are you saying? God will get the glory from now on. God gets my ultimate dependence from now on. From now on, I'll trust him like never before. From now on, I'll praise him like never before. From now on, I'll depend on him like never before. God gets the glory from now on. So Psalm 30 sounds like David canceled some foolishness in his life. How did he do it? Good question. A couple of things real quick we're going to raise up. It could be that what David did in the dark helped him emerge wiser when the morning came. Let's look at a couple of things David did in the dark. As he shifted his sense of security from his resources to his redeemer. There are some specific things David did in the night where he, he shifted his, his sense of security, he shifted his ultimate dependence from his resources to his redeemer. It happened in the night. It, it happened in the night, but it didn't happen overnight. David made a shift in his, in his faith, in his dependence in the night, but it didn't happen overnight. Some, some growth took place. I want to propose some things that you and I may, what we'll have to do here, uh, we, we can do it in the night, but we may not see the results overnight. But if you keep doing it, keep doing it. I, be, I believe God will bless us to grow wiser. Anybody want to grow wiser? What did David do? The first one is so simple. The first one is this. David cried unto the Lord. David cried unto the Lord. How did David, how did David who, who, who's in this night season of his life where 70,000 innocent people have lost their lives 
because of a foolish choice he made. And I don't know if anybody here got some people in your life, innocent people who had to pay for a foolish decision you made. People you love had to pay for pay for you quitting that job. People you love had to pay for you getting that divorce. People you love had to pay for your addiction. People you love had to pay for a dumb decision you made. Whatever it may have been. And, and David can understand that. David says, I cried unto the Lord. Look at verse 2. Psalm 30 verses 2 and 3. Oh, Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. Now that David has come out of it. And we asked David, David, how did you how did you make it through that night? How did you emerge wiser? David says, I cried to God for help. You restored my health. It's debatable what, what he means by that. We don't know if it, it probably means uh, his emotional health. You restored my emotional well-being. You made me well. Verse three, you brought me up from the grave, O Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. I like to die in the situation I was going through. I, I could have died in the situation I was in. I, I could have caught the plague and died. It could have been 70,001. You brought me up from the grave, O oh Lord. You kept me from falling into the pit of death. Then look at verse 8. Verse 8, Psalm 30, verse 8. I cried out to you, O oh Lord. I begged the Lord for mercy, saying... What will you gain if I die, if I sink into the grave? Can my dust praise you? Can it tell of your faithfulness? Hear me, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Help me, O Lord. And the good news is God helped him. God helped him. Don't let your guilt keep you from going before God in prayer. Don't, don't let your guilt keep you away from the throne of grace. Don't, don't let your guilt keep you from asking God for mercy. The throne of grace, Elder Reagan, is built for guilty folk. I wish I had some help. The throne of grace is designed for guilty folk. The throne of grace, it, it has reservations for guilty folk. Folk who know that they messed up. Folk who know they said what they shouldn't have said. Did what they shouldn't have done. Gone where they shouldn't have gone. Quit what they shouldn't have quit. Went into what they shouldn't have gone into. The throne of grace is designed, is perfect. It got reservations for guilty people. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. David says, I cried out to him. So anybody who's dealing with a night season in your life where your life has gotten dark because of your own foolishness, because of your own error, because of your own indiscretion, David says, cry out unto the Lord. Cry out, call on his name. Call on his name in repentance. Call on his name and tell on yourself. Call on his name and confess your sins. Call on, your, on his name and watch what God will do for you. David says, David says, I cried out unto the Lord. And when I cried out to God, God showed out on my behalf. The rest of this psalm, David talks about how God healed him, how God protected him. Verse 1, he says, you kept my enemies from prevailing over me. God, God, David, what are you saying? David said, when I cried out, God showed out. God healed him. God protected him. God showed him favor. God forgave him. God restored him. God gave him mercy. You ever seen somebody who take a whole bunch of pills? I mean, like a whole bunch of pills, like six, seven pills a day, a whole, whole bunch of pills. Sometimes we refer to all those pills as a cocktail of pills. Got to take a cocktail of medicine, something for your heart, something for your throat, something for your, something, just something for everything. Something to counteract the effects of one pill, give you side effects. This is to counteract the diarrhea that that one gets. This is to do something about the headache that that pill gets. A cocktail. David said, God, God showed out and gave me a cocktail of blessing. 
I wonder if anybody here needs a cocktail of blessing. I need some healing. I need some deliverance. I need a breakthrough. I need some joy. I need some peace. I need some money. I need a promotion. I need a break. I need a breakthrough. Listen, is there anybody here sitting next to somebody who needs a breakthrough, who needs a cocktail of blessings? I don't need God to just bless me with one thing. Bless me with some of everything. And while he at it, he can bless you with a cocktail that can bless your whole family. Bless my son. Bless my daughter. Bless my nephew. Bless my brother. Bless my spouse. Bless my co-workers. Lord, please bless my co-workers. Bless my boss. Cocktail of blessing. When David cried out to God, God showed out on David's behalf. If you cry out to God, expect God to show out on your behalf. God gave David a cocktail of blessing. David not only cried out to God, but the second thing I want to suggest, I want to suggest, I want to suggest for those of us in the dark, I want to suggest uh, reassess God's favor on your life. That's something else David did. David, David had to reassess, reevaluate, uh, reappraise uh, God's favor on his life. God's favor. David, David had God's favor before he took the census, but he still took the census. But look at how he reevaluates, reassesses, uh, uh, reappraises God's favor. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. Uh, Psalm 30 and 7, 7 through 10. Your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. What David is saying here, what David is saying, David is saying, I was actually more secure than I realized. I was, I was okay without having to take a census. I was, I, I was all right wh where I was and with what I already had. But because I, I devalued God's favor on my life, because I didn't fully appreciate God's favor on my life as much as I should have, I, I, I needed to take inventory of what was tangible. Verse 7, your favor, O Lord, made me as secure as a mountain. Then when I messed up, then you turned away from me and I was shattered. I was shattered. If anything, listen, if anything is going to make you feel secure, it should be God's favor on your life. It should be God's favor on your life. Let me take it a step further. Let me take it a step further. If there's anything that's going to make you feel secure in life, it's got to be deeper than money. It's got to go beyond all the insurance, got to go beyond the retirement portfolio, whatever, whatever you have, whoever you know. All of us should have a security that's rooted and grounded in the fact we belong to God. Amen. I, I, because I belong to him, I don't deserve it. He looked beyond my faults, met my needs for salvation, met my need for, 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 for deliverance and healing. God, God uh, by his favor, he, he embraced me. He, he owns me. I belong to him. How you know you're going to make it? Because I belong to him. How, how do you know you're going to make it through with these gas prices? Because I belong to him. How do you know you're going to make it through what they're not calling a recession? Uh, because I belong to him. How do you know you're going to make it through your grief? Because I belong to him. Whatever comes your way, what ought to encourage you and empower you and give you hope to endure is one simple thing at the very bottom of anything else you put on top of it. I belong to him. 
Now, I belong to him and I have health insurance. I belong to him and I have dental insurance. I belong to him. I have homeowner's insurance. I belong to him and I have a job. I belong to him. I have income. But listen, if I lose all of that, if I lose all of it, I'll still belong to him. And because I belong to him, I'm still going to eat. I'll still have clothes to wear. I'll still have shelter. And you mess around. I can get it all back. I wish I had some help in this Catholic church. Listen, if you belong to God, you can have what you need. If you need healing, you can get it. If you need protection, you can get it. If you need provision, you can get it. When you belong to him, David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd because I belong to him. I shall not lack. I shall not, I shall not be in want because I belong to him. There's a certain way God looks at what's his. There's a certain way God takes care of what's his. Wish I had some help in here. I'm telling you, listen, thank God for your money. Thank God for your investments. Thank God for all your insurances. Thank God for all your contacts, all your powerful people in powerful places. But baby, there's plenty atheists who have all that. Can I get some help? There's plenty of folk who don't know Jesus and have all that. When you got all that and Jesus, I got all that and favor. I have all of that and the one who gave it to me. I got all that and the one who has cattle on a thousand hills. I got all of, what, all of that and the one who can speak a word. If I lose all of it, he can speak a word and I get it all back. Reassess his favor, his favor on your life, his favor, his favor. I, I have his favor. Who cares how many followers you have on TikTok? Who cares how many followers you have on, on Instagram? Or how many people like your posts on Facebook? Baby, you got favor. Doors can open for you that you're not qualified to walk through. You have favor. Healing can come when doctors have given up on you. When you have favor. Ways can be made out of no way when you have favor. Phone calls with all kinds of unexpected blessings can come out the blood. Listen, I want to speak blindside blessings over somebody's life. You're going to be blindsided by blessings. Blindsided by blessings. When you got favor, jobs coming to look for you. Ain't even interested in nobody's job. You getting a phone call, we, we wondering if you will come. Anybody want some blindside blessings? How about a bl get blindsided by a cocktail? Got one phone call and then this happened. Then I got an email and then I, then I on my way home. I stopped and this lady gave me and this man stopped me and I bl blindsided by a cocktail of blessings. That's favor. favor then David did this so David David cried out unto the Lord David reassessed God's favor on his life and, and then back in Chronicles back in Chronicles he gave God an offering he gave God an offering he sacrificed he sacrificed uh, he, he gave an offering unto the Lord that's the third thing I would encourage you to do it, he, he gave a peace offering a sacrificial offering unto the Lord he gave first Chronicles 21 verses 18 to 30. I'm not going to read it. Verses 18 to 30. The prophet Gad or the, 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 the Bible says the angel of the Lord comes and tells David. 
excuse me, to, to build this altar and give God an offering. David builds an altar, gives God the offering. The, fact, the, 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 the plague stopped. People stopped dying. He gave the offering as he was commanded. Here, here's one way to really tell if, if my ultimate dependence is on God or my stuff. Listen to me. If God cannot get an offering out of you, you have more faith in your money than the master. Say it again. If God cannot get an offering out of you, you have more faith in your money than the master. And you, therefore, live with a false sense of security. I will. If you have more faith in your money <laughs> than the master, you, like David, live with a false sense of security. And, and listen, night seasons, wait, night seasons, all of us got some night seasons, but don't, don't let your foolishness cause darkness to come into your life. Don't allow your foolishness. To bring about a darkness. And then let me say this. Don't allow your foolishness to prolong the night. Don't, let, don't allow your foolishness to prolong the night. Here's what, here's, here's what I mean. David said, weeping may endure for a night. And again, this night does not refer to sunset one evening and sunrise the next morning. It's, it's, a, it's a dark season. He's, he, he's in a mental darkness, a mental fog, an emotional darkness. Because of guilt, shame, he's angered God. God has withdrawn favor from his life. David is, David is a wreck. Here's the deal. Let's see if I can say this briefly. Da David said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. In other words, he says, it, he says it's because the anger of God is temporary. The favor of God is forever. So David says, David said, I'm not going to beat myself up forever. Because of what I've done. What I did was foolish. I shouldn't have done it. I feel awful. But I'm not going to feel bad forever. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to allow guilt to paralyze me for the rest of my life. Now, what helps him, what helps him, what, what helps him is knowing he's been forgiven by God. Been forgiven by God. I wonder how many of the people who had to bury those 70,000, how many of them forgave David? Because there's one thing, and we love to quote this verse, weeping may endure for a night, especially when we're grieving. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We love it. But if, but if someone else's foolishness resulted in the death of your child, your spouse, your mom, your dad. And a little while later, they're going on with, with their life like nothing ever happened. No jail time. Still have their job. Still the king. Smile on all on TV with a big old grin on their face talking about their plans. And I, don't, I don't know how I, with my Jesus-loving self, if I'm looking at some fool on TV 
and they're the reason I lost somebody precious to me and they just on TV just a smiling and or, or they're saved and they on TV preaching about joy and forgiveness and or singing they're they're a gospel artist and they just singing about joy and they just going on and I'm like you you got your joy I'll never get my loved one back I'll, I'll never get my loved one back See, it's one thing to say that when, when, you, when you're not the one guilty. Am I making sense at all? Yeah. David says, listen, 70,000, that's a lot of families. That's a lot of people. I'm not going to beat myself up forever. Yeah, there are some people in my kingdom still mad at me because of what that decision I made. But I can't allow, I can't allow how they feel about me. To keep me from going on with the rest of my life with some sense of joy. Amen. Anybody in here, anybody streaming, crippled, paralyzed, hindered, hampered by guilt, and folk won't let you forget what you did, Somehow, some way, you've got to move on with your life and be well. And we, all of us who, who, who are survivors or loved ones are survivors, we just got to accept the fact, listen. I don't know if somebody should pay emotionally the rest of their life, especially if they are, if they do belong to God. I hope I'm making sense. David says, I'm going on with the rest of my life. What's happened? What happened? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it is what it is as if, you know, their lives meant nothing. But I'm going on with joy. That can be easier said than done. I'm going to close with this. For real. That can be easier said than done. I, I, God, God allowed me to see this this morning. Joy. We, I think sometimes we expect joy to just show up. Or God to just release it. And that can happen. God can just release joy in your life. God allowed me to understand this morning. Sometimes joy has to catch a ride into your spirit. Joy, joy got to catch a ride. David closed the psalm. David closed this psalm. There's so much more I wanted to share. But I'm going to just say and I'm done. Da David said, um. That last verse, that last verse, that last verse, that last verse, last verse, last verse. David said, uh, that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God. Here it is. I will give you thanks forever. I will give you thanks forever. I'm not going to be plagued by my guilt forever. I will give you thanks Forever. Now, I said at one time, I'll never be moved. I'll never be brought down. Ain't, I'll, ain't nobody going to ever fade me. I, I've learned to, I learned to be careful when I say never. I'll give you thanks forever. But when, you, when that guilt, depression, anxiety, that grief, man, it can get a hold of you. You, you, got, to, you, you got to send a ride to go pick joy up. It's like you have a conversation with Joy. Joy, you coming or no? I'm coming, man. I need a ride. You ain't got no way. I, 
You got to give me a right. Now, prayer can give joy a right to your spirit. When I'm praying, I can pray and enjoy like, yeah, all right, come on, let's, let's ride. Come on, I'm, I'm on my way. Keep praying, I'm on my way. Keep praying. But when you make up in your mind, I'm going to be grateful. Gratitude is like an Uber going to pick up your joy. Gratitude is you, is you telling joy, joy, you ain't got no way to get, I, I want to get you, I tell, I'm going to send a, an Uber of gratitude. To come pick you up. You just start thanking God. God, thank you that you kept my enemies from prevailing over my life. God, I thank you that you woke me up this morning. God, I thank you that although I'm guilty, you treat me like I'm innocent. God, I thank you that while I did it, I, I'm giving you a sacrifice. In fact, I'm, I'm giving you a sacrifice, but it pales in comparison to the sacrifice you gave me. I'm giving you a sacrifice, but you sacrificed your son. You sacrificed his blood. You sacrificed his life. He died for me one Friday. I thank you for his death. I thank you for his burial. I thank you for his resurrection. I thank you for the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for another chance. I thank you for I'm still chosen. I thank you I still belong to you. I don't belong to that church anymore because they put me out. I don't belong to that organization anymore because they fired me. But God, I still belong to you. God, I just want to say thank you. I got the rest of my life to live. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I thank you. I lost my job, but I thank you. I still got some place to stay. I thank you. I got the skills and the credentials. I get me another job. God, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for keeping me. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for forgiving me thank you for walking with me thank you for talking with me thank you for claiming me there's some folk don't even claim me no more but you still claim me as your very own and when you just keep thanking God no matter how long that night is no matter how long that dark season lasts you keep thanking God that gratitude goes to pick your joy up enjoy like come on let's ride Let's ride. I got to lift my sister up. Come on, let's ride. I got to lift my brother up. Come on, let's ride. I got to lift that child up. Come on, let's ride. I got to lift that single mother up. Come on, let's ride. I got to lift that brother up. Come on, let's ride. Joy is saying, come on, let's ride. I'm telling you, you thank God. Thank God till you feel better. Tell them thank you till you feel better. Tell them thank you till your joy comes. Tell them thank you till grief has to loosen its grip. Tell them thank you until guilt has to loosen its grip. Thank God until you feel better. God, thank you. Thank you. I wish I could go back and undo what I did, but I can't. God, thank you. I wish I could go back and just delete it and remove it permanently from my hard drive. But it's, it's worse than the internet. It's out there for good. But God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thank you, God, because I, I want to thank you forever because you're going to be good to me forever. Your favor lasts forever. My guilt doesn't have to last forever. Your favor lasts forever. God will get the glory from now on. God will get the glory from now on. I messed up, but God will get the glory from now on. I got beside myself, but God will get the glory from now on. I, I got caught up in my stuff, but God will get the glory from now on. I, I, didn't, I didn't appreciate favor like I should have, but God will get the glory from now on. He's going to get the glory from now on. By my faith in him, by my trusting him, by my relying upon him, by my calling on him, by my demonstrating how much I, I realize I need him. God will get the glory from now on. It, it took me losing my mind for a minute. It took a, a lapse in judgment for a minute. But I learned from it. I'm wiser now. Thank God for my stuff. But listen, it ain't about my stuff. Thank God for the money, the insurances, the people, whatever. But listen, at the bottom of all of that, and I'm rooted. My faith is rooted and grounded in one simple thing. I belong to him. 
I belong to him. I'm going to be all right. I belong to him. Yes. Yes, God. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening. If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.